know, one of my big passions in life is and God has given me this real heart for the idea of our testimony. Revelations 12, 11 says, you know, it's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, you know, that we use to overcome the accuser. And I, as a woman, I think I have a responsibility to share my testimony in, again, not just in ministry um, opportunities, but at work. Welcome to the 9 to 5 podcast, conversations with Christians about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence at work. They are from Christians in Commerce, a ministry supporting and encouraging men and women to be Christ in their workplaces. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is Luke Cahill with Christians in Commerce, and today I'm blessed to be talking with Katie O'Leary. Katie is joining us from the Washington, D.C. area where she's a strategic growth consultant for startups and small businesses. She has an MBA and has done a bunch of international work across a variety of industries. So Katie, just to start with, what exactly is a strategic growth consultant? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, you kind of mentioned it. I I help grow businesses. So uh, a lot of my um, focus is with tech startups, but I also do... Um, some strategy and operational improvements and uh, really, again, just growth projects um, for construction engineering. My consulting now is really kind of a based on expertise I gained in the first part of my career. My first job was um, at a tech company here in DC. And uh, we kind of, the CEO got this pet project where we would start importing building materials from China and that much to my uh, resistance, I uh, ended up becoming the COO of what of that um, operating entity, and then it kind of grew like crazy in the as the market went, as the real estate and commercial real estate market went, you know, gangbusters uh, 15 years ago. And um, so I learned a lot. Again, learned how to read blueprints, learned how to import materials from China, and how to hire a you know a manufacturing staff and an in- install installers and trucks and you know, running construction uh, projects and learned operations management that way, learned sales, learned business development. Then when the market busted in 2009, I went to a general contractor that was, you know, really needed a a pretty big, you know, change management uh, project. And I worked with the CEO, you know, kind of under this guise of business development, trying to, tried to keep his company, not just alive during the economic downturn, but really thriving. And we really turned that company around and that's what I do now for smaller businesses, and I love it. It um, keeps me busy and on my toes and learning new things. That's terrific. So it seems like you got to wear many hats early on in your career, and now you get to uh, help other businesses uh, learn to wear those same hats and as they t- uh, grow themselves. So that's terrific. I know that Christianity has always been an important in your life, and now that you run your own business and as you're helping these other businesses and you're serving in leadership positions, and I know you're a board member with several Christian ministries. What is your perspective on God's call for you as a women, as a woman? Excuse me, in these leadership roles. Well, what I one of the things I kind of joke about, right, um, is you know in Genesis two, God has created this beautiful earth, and He creates a man to go and name all the animals and take care of the garden, and you no. Know, Adam really doesn't get very far before God's like, whoa, hmm, I think you need a helper. <laughs> <laughs> so true. 
And so I, I kind of, I think, you know, uh, women need to be part of God's work. I mean, men are wonderful, but they can't do it alone. They haven't been able to do it alone since the very beginning. And so I do feel really called, whether it's through some of the, the uh, Christian, you know, ministry work that I do, but also at work, you know, in my day job, that when there are both men and women sitting at a table and making decisions, better decisions are made, better work is produced, uh, because we're bringing both sides kind of of God's personality to the work. That's beautiful. So what are some of the unique contributions that you as a woman can make in your roles of leadership and influence related to that? I was at a board meeting a couple of weeks ago. And um, one of the challenges we have in that organization is that it's really, I mean, it's a staff retention issue. And I sit around a lot, you know, kind of in these meetings listening. I mean, in that case, I'm, I'm one woman and, and 10 men on that board. And a bunch of them, you know, of us trying to figure out some of what some of our staff retention issues are. And it, it always kind of dawns on me is that, you know, the ones, the, <laughs> the employees we have the hardest time holding on to are like 28 year old women. And I think, who puts a bunch of 60 year old men in a room to try to figure out what a 28 year old woman does <laughs> when she's deciding what job she wants? And so I think uh, it's really just about empathy. It's about having walked in certain people's shoes. You know, one of my big passions in life is God has given me this real heart for the idea of our testimony. Revelations 12, 11 says, you know, it's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, you know, that we use to overcome the accuser. And I, as a woman, I think I have a responsibility to share my testimony in, again, not just in ministry um, opportunities, but at work to understand. I mean, again, we could go into all sorts of like lean in Cheryl Sandberg thoughts around, you know, why women in leadership can help advocate for women who are not in leadership. Uh, also just in marketing, right. Telling a bunch of, I mean, I work with a lot of tech and you have all these brilliant entrepreneur engineers and stuff, but if a woman's sitting across the table, what is she thinking? She's the one who's has to buy the product. And if she feels insulted all the time, or if she, doesn't like to argue about a contract terms. I mean, there's just certain things that I think it's just, a, it's a, the diversity of perspectives uh, is valuable for really for in business and in ministry. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I've certainly experienced that as well. In my professional life, I'm uh, in the market research industry. So I kind of have a strong appreciation for the, the importance of women decision-making um, and how that needs to be represented certainly in business decisions that are trying to appeal to those, those end users. So there's a, a push in our current culture to get more gender balance with women in workplace leadership positions. Do you see this as an opportunity in particular for Christian women? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and I think this is also important um, even just from a generational standpoint is because outside of the church, as well as inside the church, women have gone to college. Their parents expect them <laughs> to have a career, right? Uh, you know, it's a millennial thing. They're not getting, you know, it's just not as uh, kind of standard, again, even for Christians in the workplace to be, you know, getting married young and 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 staying home with children. I mean, I, lots of my friends were already, I'm getting close to 40, but even, you know, 10 years ago, a lot of my friends were not thinking about children until they were in their early 30s. And so, I think for us as believers, we have, I mean, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations or all people. And I'm sent, I'm, I'm, I'm sent to all people. And that includes women who are still in, the, who 
are in the workplace, right? And so, yes, so the point is, yes, I do think um, the, the cultural shift we've had in the last, especially couple of years, but really in the last decade or so, I think we as believers, we are absolutely called to lean into leadership positions um, so that we might be able to influence not just culture, not just a workplace, but even just the women a couple of years behind us, influence them for Christ. We'd like to take a moment and tell you about Working for Our Father, a four-part video series created to help you and others align your careers with God's greater purpose. It's designed to adapt to any situation and be done over four one-hour sessions. Learn more and check out a preview at workingforourfather.com. Being Christ's disciple in all aspects of life is important to you. Can you explain this fresh perspective of discipleship? that you've been given in the way you've approached your state in life and career? So I have recently in the last five years become a very dedicated Dietrich Bonhoeffer fan. So I would say that my fresh perspective on discipleship is really the cost of it. Um, his, you know, his big book, Cost of Discipleship. Um, but I would not recommend anyone reading unless you want to get really kicked in the pants. Um, <laughs> um, until recently, until I've kind of, I've, I, I, I lead a small group of women uh, usually once or twice a year through my church. And, uh, and I use cost of discipleship, um, which is a deep dive into the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and if you really deep dive and look at Jesus's instructions in the Sermon on the Mount, um, I don't really know any Christians who follow most of it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is hard. Uh, it is a hard calling and, um, and it costs a lot to try and adhere to what Jesus has called us to in the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I approached most of my life as someone who didn't, who didn't have to try and adhere to it. Now that it's become, I've come to understand that following Jesus really does make me a city on a hill, um, but only because it's cost me my pride. It's cost me <laughs> my life looking like my peers. It's cost me, I mean, like a lot of money <laughs> in terms of just all the different ways that I think Jesus calls us is incredibly expensive. And once we surrender to that, instead of feeling like it's an unfair burden, if we start to lean into it, it is, I, I just feel like following Jesus is the best thing ever. <laughs> but I just didn't understand that cost until recently. As somebody who's uh, skilled in the sales arena, you know, what is the sales pitch then to the, these, you know, younger women that you're trying to kind of learn, learn before they kind of learn the hard way kind of thing? So how do you mentor them in that way? When I meet some, you know, a group of new women and I, that a lot of them are all saying the same thing that I say is what, what does following Jesus look like? I want to be called by, by the Lord. I want to follow Jesus. I do not feel like I am. And I do not hear a clear voice of where I'm supposed to follow him. What does obedience even look like in my life? This is a genuine question. I, mean, I think we all have that question. What would it really look like if I followed Jesus in my life? But then you go through the Sermon on the Mount and you sit around in the room and you're like, well, none of us are doing any of this. And you kind of realize the irony there of saying, I wish I was following Jesus. Come on, Jesus, tell me where you want me to go. Here I am, send me. And then you're like, well, I don't turn the other cheek when someone's annoying to me. I just... I'm annoying back, you know? And so, so that's where one of the jokes, the kind of sales pitch we have, if you will, is we kind of, we kind of say in the beginning, let's be okay with telling each other when we're being disobedient. And so it's kind of like that worked when we were, we didn't think it was cool when our mom said that to us, 
when we were young, right? But as sisters in Christ, to be able to say, have you gone back and asked for forgiveness for that? Because Jesus says it's pretty clear, you know, before you come to the altar, if you have something going on between your brother, go and make amends with him, right? You know, we all kind of sit there and be like, oh, I've got like six people I'm holding grudges against. And you're like, well, then maybe that's why Jesus isn't calling you. (laughs) Maybe that's why you can't hear what he's saying, right? Because he's told you specifically what to do and you're just being disobedient. So we, that's, we laugh about it. We kind of laugh and say, you know, if you want to come to Katie's small group, if you want to hear about how you're disobedient, <laughs> no, but only in the sense that it's freedom, right? That understanding the weight of what Jesus has called us to live out in our lives, that is freedom. That is an invitation into a life that starts looking like a city on a hill. So <laughs> that's great. So you, you talked about testimony and uh, we've talked a little bit about the, the cost. Um, talk more about these four C's that are so important to you and kind of your, your, your philosophy behind them. So clarity, um, clarity, courage, cost, and community. That's, that's how I try to remember them. <laughs> um, I mean, they all sound great, right? They all sound, if I could just have clarity about what the Lord wants me to do in my career. But I really think the Lord's not trying to confuse us. He's given us a big book with a lot of instructions. So what, how am I listening, right? How do I get clarity around where the God is, where God has called me? Um, Courage, I mean, that's the basis of faith, right? Is how often do I look at circumstances and think, well, that can't be what God wants me to do because that looks hard or impossible. And that is, maybe the, a sign, maybe that should be the flag that says, go this way. Cause I think that's what Jesus said, right? That the path he wants us to follow is narrow, right? Um, cost. That's what I was kind of mentioning before. Um, the sacrifices, uh, that we have to make, uh, and then understanding that understanding and embracing those costs and sacrifices instead of feeling like, woe is me. I've had to make these sacrifices. And then community, I think first with the Holy Spirit, really understanding um, the presence of God is in us. You know, I have all sorts of people who say, who say to me, well, I don't hear God. And I'm like, well, I don't really hear God. It's not an audible voice. But there are times when I know a, a thought comes into my head that is not for me. And I wish I could claim it, but I know it's not. I never, sometimes I say something and I think I never thought that before I said it. So getting to understand how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and gives us wisdom and groans, right? With wordless groans. I couldn't, I, I didn't know where mine. Right. And then community within, within the body, how to find, uh, you know, the type of groups. And I will say that is, that's a harder thing. I think as I've gotten older as a woman and who's single and without kids, I don't have a lot to contribute to a conversation about diaper rash, let's say. <laughs> right. Um, so, but if you want to talk about your new car, you got, oh, that's fun. Right. So what do I, <laughs> you know, so really how to find community. And, and to be honest, just even understanding what, as a, from a, a role model standpoint, what Christian women you know, look like um, in the office, in the office, right? I've worked for a wonderful believer for several years, but his job and my job, I could not do my job the way he did his job. I had this wonderful, wonderful boss. He was like my, um, my long lost older brother, but it was in a, in a company where I, there were, there weren't very many other women. And I would struggle with my colleagues quite often. I think because I, I thought I had to do my job the way they did their job. Um, the way they interacted with each other, the way they wrote emails, you know. Um, and so I would do it, but it would never really work for, for me. 
<laughs> you know, and I remember this time he came into my office and he said, do you understand what it would be like if you just walked into so-and-so's office and smiled and asked nicely to give the report that he asked, that you asked him for? And I remember driving home that day being so angry, like, why do I have to smile? They don't smile. <laughs> you know, why do I have to ask nicely? And I remember by the time I got home, I was thinking, wait, I would rather ask nicely. <laughs> I would rather smile and be nice to my colleagues than I would, you know, act like a man because I'm not a man. So just, again, trying to figure out um, my place and how God has created Katie to do the work and not John and not Tom and not Steve and not Matt. This is how God built Katie to do this work that he's called her to and be okay with that. That that's um, probably where courage comes in, though, too, to uh, not just make that realization, but then to uh, to live it, you know. So, how did that go for you? Kind of once that the kind of the reality of, of what he said and it struck you. Kind of what came the next day then when you walked through the doors at your at your work? <laughs> I'm sure I still fought with. That. <laughs> um, no, I. <laughs> we are um, human after no, all, so <laughs> that's important as well. I, I don't want to give you a circuitous answer here, but I. I would say, I, I wish I had learned the easy way, but I didn't. I learned a hard way. I had, I think the idea, the, the approach I took was I, I just, everyone just needs to know that I eat nails for breakfast, right? I can be here at 7 a.m. I can send emails before you get up. I can stay here longer. And when you leave to, you know, go coach your son T-ball t- practice, I'm still here writing my proposal. I, you know, I, I, I just thought if I could, work harder, play harder, drive a faster car, take crazier vacations, then people would respect me, right? And one, that's exhausting. And two, uh, that's idol worship. And so I broke. I broke on many different, in many different ways. And I think when I say this about the cost of discipleship is that I can look back now, six years later on some of those things and realize that that breaking process was incredibly painful but it absolutely is what set me free to be who I am now. It was a bang up job on my pride for the first couple of years as an independent consultant. And people are like, what do you do? Who do you work for? Or I'd be in a networking event and I'd, and someone would say, oh, where do you work? And I would say, oh, I'm self-employed and literally like turn around and go look for someone from another company that whose you know, logo they recognize. It took me a while uh, to kind of give up the, the career that looked good from the outside to have the career that God gave me now. Um, I quit drinking, which was a painful process. I mean, I was doing a lot of business development. So I, I had developed a, yeah, I thought that's how you'd had to do business. I didn't know how you would do sales. How would you go into a room and talk to a bunch of people you don't know if you didn't have a couple glasses of wine when you did it? Like no one would think you were fun. Why would you, why would they talk to you? So I think there are just a lot of very difficult habits that, that, and, and attachments that God lovingly ripped out of my life. So <laughs> in order to rebuild new habits and new, and so the cost of my pride, the cost of my former way of doing things, the cost of my security net thinking, oh, I have a full-time job. Some of the two, you know, every two weeks, a paycheck will show up in my bank account. Um, all of that, I wouldn't go back to. <laughs> uh, but the courage didn't come just because I'm courageous. The courage came because God ripped it out, you know, took it away from me. And then showed me he would provide. Seems like you found this growth area very uh, 
very organically, both for yourself and your own own life, as well as obviously in your career as well. Sometimes growth is hard, and so I'm sure you could draw parallels between kind of the the decisions that business have to make to to get to the next level, and kind of what we as people in our own journeys have to do to get to the next level. It's very interesting. So you know, kind of just going back to the story of your your boss and just kind of the, the environment that surrounded you. You know, obviously you you kind of came to some realizations about kind of how you you can respond in that situation but really in that case like the the male culture that kind of was just so dominant was also part of the problem so if how how could you help us christian men who are in the workplace and you know obviously most i'm sure just about all of us work with women kind of how do we be better brothers how do we you know be better co-workers and and supporting um, kind of the the women we work we work with are just being creating environments that are that are more conducive to kind of the uh, the benefits that that both men and women bring to the table. You know, I I do kind of refer to myself as a as a uh, a raging feminist, but at the same time, I will say my passion is for empowering women, and it's not about. I, re- I very rarely feel critical of a man unless he's being silly, um, but <laughs> no. Um, but I, I think the thing I would say, and I and actually said this, I did a proposal last week and, and ended up being that the team I put together was all women. And I thought, no, this is not right. If there's a bunch, if, if the team all looks like each other, then something's missing, right? And so I would say that to, you know, kind of to my, my thought would be every once in a while, stop and make sure you've got a diversity of perspectives. And if you're sitting in a meeting and it's, it's not close to 50-50, you know, something needs to change because you've got some blind sides, right? You're missing, you're missing uh, some of the people who God called into ministry, God called into leadership. You're missing some of the people who are, you know, you're in your, your target market. <laughs> you're missing their perspective and what they need. You've got a bunch of engineers in a room and you don't have a salesperson in there. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> you're probably not going to be able to sell whatever you're working on. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that's what I would say. True story. Cross-functional teams exist for a reason and it should be uh, diverse teams as well as certainly advantageous. Well, Katie, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for, for sharing your wisdom and discoveries and just authentically sharing your story with us. I know I've I've learned a lot and appreciated kind of your, your journey and your discoveries and, and just can't thank you enough for, for sharing those with us. Um, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to talk to you. Um, it's been fun to think about uh, some of the things that God has taught me in my career. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll want to check out our website at workingforourfather.com. It's constantly being updated with new content to support you and others in living your faith at work.